afternoon. No, 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 no. Good afternoon. I have the hard job. I have to keep you awake after a big meal. And I have to keep myself awake after a big meal. But fortunately, we're talking about scripture, which to me is interesting enough to do the job. When we left Israel after the book of Leviticus, the beginning of the book of Numbers gives us the organization, the, the camp that they would, uh, how they would camp out. But the book of Numbers itself in chapter 1 begins with a long list of names. This is one of two lists of names in this book. And that's why in English this book is called the book of numbers. Because of these long lists of names and the numbers of the uh, Israelites in each tribe. Now in the Bible, whenever there is a census taken of the people in a nation, the purpose of that census is always to assess the strength of the army of that nation. That's why women and children are usually not included in census forms. Because their lists of the numbers of fighting men of each of the nation that the census is taking place in. When Israel left Egypt, they left as a group of slaves. They had been slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. Now, I don't know about India, but 400 years ago, my country didn't even exist. Think how long a period of time 400 years is. 
And for that entire period of time, Israel had been foreigners and slaves. But now that they've been saved by God, literally saved from Pharaoh, they've been transformed and given a new identity. They are no longer a small, beaten down group of weak slaves. Rather, they are to be God's army that will march into the promised land. They will face enemies that are very fierce and overwhelming. But because they are following the one true God who is their mighty warrior king, God promises in the covenant that he will give them victory over all of their enemies. Because remember, back in Genesis chapter 15, God promised Abraham that he would give the land of Israel. To the seed or the offspring of Abraham. But he wouldn't do it at that time. Because the evil of the people in that land had not yet reached the point where they deserved judgment. But in his sovereign timing, God knew that by the time Israel was being led out of Egypt, the particular tribes in the land of Canaan, the peoples that he had ordered judgment on, would have reached the fullness of their evil. And now it wasn't because the people in this land worshipped another god that God was judging them. Rather, it was because of the wicked practices that these people had been doing in this land for hundreds of years. You can read about some of these in Leviticus chapters 18 and 20. Because the people of Canaan had distorted the concept of God so much 
जेतु एई स्थान रे लोक माने ए प्रकार भाबे ईश्वरंकर मूल विषय को मौलिक विषय गुडी को एपरी भाबे से माने ब्रह्म भाबे से माने व्यवहार करथिले दैट दे हैड बिगन प्रैक्टिसिंग ऑल फॉर्म्स ऑफ इमोरालिटी आ से माने सब प्रकार अनैतिक कुकर्म रे लिप्त थिले इंक्लूडिंग द अल्टीमेट child sacrifice epori ki semane nijara nijara choto choto sthana sthana kuni kuni pilaman ko janma dothwa shishu man ko madhya boli deba ko pachau nathile so when israel is going into the land of canaan they are not going to attack people just because they are not israelites aaj to israel ko mane se kinan desho jao chanti akraman kriya pai kebal se man akraman kariya desho jao chile ta hoye rather god is sending israel on a specific mission मात्र ईश्वर इजराइल लोक मान को गोटे मुख्य लक्ष्य नै कि गोटे उद्देश्य मूलक भाबे से स्थान को पठैथिले तो अदरली वाइप आउट द इविल ऑफ दिस पर्टिकुलर ग्रुप्स ऑफ केनानाइट आ ए किनानियो मानव मध्ये जो सब कुकर्म रहिथिला जो सब पूर्ण संस्कार सब रहिथिला से संस्कार गुडी को बाहर कर देवानी मन्दे एंड टू क्लेंज द लैंड ऑफ द स्टेन ऑफ देयर इविल आ से सब विषय आ से जगा रो से स्थान रो ए just as before god had sent the flood to cleanse the earth of the evil of humanity aa jo prakar bhavre parmeshwar se jal pravana dara ei paapo ko ba mandho ko jagat ro upadita karithile thik sei prakar bhavre now it's important to understand that this is the only time in israel's history where god commanded them to engage in such harsh warfare आउ हमरे या जानिबा दरकार या एकमात्र समय परमेश्वर अनुमति दउछंती से इजराइल लोक मानकु ए प्रकार युद्धर सम्मुखीन होबानी मन्थे एंड इट वाज ओनली अगेंस्ट दी स्पेसिफिक एनिमीज दैट गॉड हैड लिस्टेड एज बीइंग रेडी फॉर जजमेंट वर्तमान ए जो स्थानकु ए शत्रु मानकर नाम उल्लेख रहिछि जो माने ईश्वर कर विचार पाए वर्तमान प्रस्तुत होइ गछंती दिस इज इंपोर्टेंट बिकॉज़ मेनी पीपल रीड दी ओल्ड टेस्टामेंट एट अ सरफेस लेवल आ अनेक समय आमे पुरातन नियम को केवल से प्राथमिक स्तर रे आमे अध्ययन कर छाडी दे जाओ एंड दे डिस्टॉर्टेड टू सच अ पॉइंट व्हेयर दे से ओ गॉड इज जस्ट द गॉड ऑफ इजराइल एंड ही लाइक्स इजराइल एंड हेट्स द रेस्ट ऑफ द अनेक समय आमे बाइबल एक प्रकार अध्ययन करी जेता इजराइल ए प्रकार विजातीय देश मान विचार करछंती आमान कर चिंता धारा आसी थाए आमे भाबी थाओ ईश्वर केवल इजराइल रे ईश्वर आसे अन्य देश मान कर ईश्वर नहंती बट दैट्स नॉट ट्रू गॉड इज ओनली सेंडिंग देम एज जजमेंट अगेंस्ट द पर्टिकुलर पीपल इन केनन किंतु यहां सत्य नहे मात्र ईश्वर को उद्देश्य रहिला से किनानियो स्थान रे जो सब कुसंस्कार रहिछि बा मन्द विषय रहिछि से सब को बाहर कर दै ईश्वर को इच्छा दिला एंड एस्टैब्लिशिंग इजराइल इन कवनेंट विद हिम लिविंग इन दैट लैंड आ ईश्वर को परमेश्वर इच्छा करथिले ईश्वर को चुक्ति घेनी ईश्वर को व्यवस्था घेनी ठीक सेही स्थान रे ईश्वर को समग्र जार बास करिबे एंड व्हाई इज गॉड डूइंग दिस आ काहेकि परमेश्वर इसो करछंती डू यू रिमेंबर व्हाट वी हैव सीन इन एवरी book of the old testament so far aa jetala apan mane dekhuchanti pratyanyamara pratyade pustakare prabhu ki karya karuchanti god is using this people israel to one day reach those very nations aa ishwar bartman prastut karuchanti e israel ko je parisaman anya desh man ko nikotre 
Moses will tell Israel that God is not doing this because he loves them more. He will say, I am doing this because of the promise that I made to Abraham. And that promise is that through the seed of Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the prophets later in Israel's history will look into the future and see in the distance even the evil nations around them coming to faith in the God of Israel for the prophets in the Old Testament however this, how this happens will be a mystery. But Paul will tell the Romans and the Ephesians that through the gospel of Jesus Israel's Messiah the mystery has now been revealed that by entering into faith with Jesus whether Jew or Gentile one is entering into covenant with Israel and therefore becoming an heir one who will inherit the promises God made to Abraham Paul says this explicitly in Ephesians chapter 2 and explicitly in Galatians chapter 3 but we're not there yet we're still in the first covenant and Israel's destiny to be a light to the nations is still in the future Right now, they're preparing to enter the land as God's army and to establish their community in the land. So, 
God gives them uh, this this portable mini Mount Sinai, as we've seen. And God moves into this tent. And then in Numbers chapter 10, Israel is finally, after one year, camped around Mount Sinai, ready to set out for Canaan. And just like in the book of Exodus, just as things look like they're about to reach their happy conclusion, Israel's sin and rebellion steps right back into the picture to ruin Because in Numbers chapters 11 through 15, we read the account of Israel refusing to take the promised covenant blessing. It should have taken Israel only at most a month, maybe three weeks, to go from Sinai into the promised land. And so as they're preparing to enter, they send spies to scout out the land, all of the promised land. And the spies go throughout the land, 12 of them, and they see the goodness of the land. The land is so fertile, it's so beautiful. The spies even bring back a cluster of grapes. And the cluster is so big and so full of grapes that they have to hang it from a pole and carry it between their shoulders. The land is beyond anything that Israel has ever known after 400 years of making bricks in the Egyptian sun. However, there's only one problem. The spies tell them that the land is filled with strong and powerful people. Now these are the people who God has promised 
He will drive out before Israel and they will be victorious over them. Israel has seen what God has done in the past in bringing them out of Egypt through the ocean. They've seen how God provided for them food in the wilderness day after day by sending this manna. And how he's provided water for them to drink along with all of their animals from the dry rock themselves. But as soon as they get word of a human enemy that is standing before them, they turn on God and they say, we don't want this. We had it better in Egypt where we were at least safe and well fed. And so the people rebel because of the spies and the entire people want to take, uh, want to go back into Egypt. And they not only reject God's promise, but they also reject God's leaders by threatening to kill Moses. This is not an accidental or, or, or momentary lapse in judgment on the part of Israel. This is a conscious and sustained rebellion against God and his leaders and a rejection of the covenant completely. And for this generation, that's it. No one took the blessing of God away from them. They didn't lose the salvation that God had shown them by bringing them out of Egypt. They willfully rejected the covenant relationship and said, we want to go back. And so they forfeit, they reject, they give back what God had freely offered them. 
बर्तमान प्रभु जो मुक्त भाव बिना मूल्य जो विषय से दिजाइए सुंदर विषय से बिना मूल्य विषय को सुंदर विषय को निजे इच्छा कले से विषय को प्रत्याख्यन कले Through their rebellion against God. And so God tells them, "Okay, you will not enter the land. You will die in the wilderness. Your bones will lie scattered in the desert. For every day that the spies were in the land scouting it out, which was forty. आज जेतवले समाने देखूं थीले ऐ जो गुप्ता चरमाने से स्थानों को जाएगी परिभ्रमण करिया सुथीले. You will spend twelve months, one for every spy, one year, in the wilderness. आज तुम्हें जेते जोनों जाएं थीलो समझते सेते जोनों को प्रति चालीस बर्स लिखे तुम्हें कौन करिवो बारह बर्स लिखे तुम्हें ऐ प्रांतरा ही घुरी बोलूंगी वो बोली कोई And you will die not receiving the covenant blessing. आह तुम्हारे मानों को और जो प्रतिज्ञा तो आशीर्वाद तो जवाब को जाऊँ थी लेकिन आह तुम्हें तह केवल मोतियों पाई पारी होना है एक तो मैं भ्रमण करी करी तो मैं जीवन की एक करी। However, this is not the end of Israel. से जा भी होना कहीं कि एक स्थान पर इस्राएल और अंतर बढ़ी नहीं थी लाये। God has already said. That the seed of Abraham will be the means by which the world is blessed. आओ जेठु परमेश्वर कोई चलती जब अब्राहम को रवांसों द्वारा एक समग्र पृथ्वी आशीर्वाद प्राप्त होगा. And God has already said that His people Israel will enter the land. आओ परमेश्वर आदरों से कोई सारी चलती इस्राएल लोगों में जब अब्राहम रवांसों द्वारा एक देशों को अधिकार करी में बोली. It is predestined to happen. आओ सिया पुरपरु से आकलन करी सारी चलती आनिश्चित However, this generation will not be part of it. You see, while human sin and rebellion can't overturn the plans and the purposes of God, it can absolutely remove us From the promised blessings that await God's people. कितो ताकौन करिवो इस संकरो जो दिलोपितो बा प्रतिज्ञा दिया जायेगी बा आशीर्वाद दो आपन को बंचे रोकिवो आमुको सेठर ओरे दबो. In order to receive the fullness of God's covenant blessing, one has to continue to walk in covenant relationship as His people. So anyone is free to enter into or to leave the people of Israel. प्रभु आमान को स्वाधीनता दे चुनते इस्राएल को मान को स्वाधीनता दे चुके जब सेमाने निष्पति ने बे सेमाने से प्रतिज्ञाता दे सर पहुंची बे प्रवेश करी बे ना नीचे सेमाने आसमान प्रतिक्षण करी पहुंचु बहुत ही जीवे. But the people of Israel are predestined to enter into and to live out and enjoy the blessings of the covenant. जब इस्राएल पुरपुर जोजना करी चुनते ए इस्राएल को माने ए इस्र बंसों दरो आउसे इस्सरों को प्रतिज्ञा तो देशों में प्रवेश करी में बोली 
So all of the later New Testament talk in theology about predestination and free will it's all based on the foundation that God laid in the Torah. The balance between the two must be maintained. Yes, God has predestined his people for salvation from But every individual person must choose whether they will receive the covenant by faith or reject the covenant by faith. And so the author of Hebrews will look back at this time period of the book of Numbers. And he will tell his fellow Jewish Christians in the New Testament. Not to harden their hearts against what God is doing and not to turn back to Egypt. Because if they do turn away and try to go back into the life that they were brought out of by God's salvation, there is they will not enter God's rest and there remains no other sacrifice that can bring them back into faith with God other than Jesus himself. So if the New Testament authors can preach and teach from the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, then so can you to your people today. Because like Israel, we too in many ways are in the wilderness. The name of the book in English may be the book of Numbers. But in Hebrew, the book's name is Bamidbar. And Bamidbar means in the wilderness. And so in every generation, God's people are in the wilderness. Looking forward to the fullness of the blessings when we enter his promised land. But facing fearsome and overwhelming enemies and hardships all around us. 
And so the question that the book of Numbers raises for God's people today in the new covenant is will you continue to faithfully follow God the God who dwells among you and within you or out of fear or rebellion will you turn back and go to the life that he rescued you from the first generation that left Egypt, that whole list of numbers at the beginning of the book. They chose rebellion and rejection. And they died in the desert. But their children, the next generation, grew up in that environment, grew up in the wilderness. And so, at Numbers chapter 19, the first generation's life comes to an end. And in chapter 20, verse 1, the new generation begins. And between the last verse in chapter 19 and the first verse in chapter 20, all of the 40 years in the wilderness passes. Chapter 20 picks up with this next generation now facing threats from powerful nations around them. And just as God had done for their parents and Egypt, he delivers them from the plots and the schemes of an evil king. Gives them victory over those who would come and attack them. And he brings them safely to the land just across the Jordan River looking into the promised land. And just like their parents, this new generation will have to pass through the waters. So Numbers chapter 26 then gives us the second list 
of numbers in the book. The second, the new generation, the new list of names. Who are also like their parents to be God's mighty army if they will follow him. And so the last 10 chapters of the book, 27 through 36. Uh, depict the preparations among the people for when they do enter the land. When the people do enter the land, it will be not under Moses, but under the one who follows after Moses. When God's when they sent the twelve spies into the land, ten of the spies rejected and came back and rebelled. But two of those spies were faithful and were trying to get the people to come on, let's take the land. One of those men, his name was Joshua. Or in Hebrew, Yahushua. And the name means God, Yahweh, saves. And it's this Joshua who, who would lead God's people into the land. Through the waters of the Jordan River. To fight against the strongholds of the enemies that God was judging. Now when the New Testament was written in Greek, they translated the name Yeshua, Yahweh says. As Jesus. Jesus is the Joshua that we follow. And what Joshua did on a local small scale in a particular land back then. Jesus does for all people on a universal scale all over the world today. Jesus 
गोटे आमन को नूतन देश रे पहुंचिया पानी से आमन को नेतृत्व अधीन करचोंती हालेलुया And the weapons that we wield are prayer and love and self-sacrifice. Because the people that we are trying to reach around us who are not Christians, they are not your enemy. Even the leaders who persecute God's people are not your enemy. They are simply people who are still in Egypt. And our job as believers is to introduce them to the God of Israel and the covenant leader Joshua who can bring them to victory. I mentioned there were two spies. The other one was a man named Caleb. Now Caleb comes from a Hebrew word, Caleb. And the word Caleb in Hebrew means dog. You know the dogs you see on the streets everywhere? That's a Caleb. Now it's also in Israel, the uh, dog was a euphemism, an image, a figure of speech to describe and talk down about Gentiles. And in fact, the, this Caleb was actually a Gentile. The text tells us he was a Kenizzite. Not an Israelite. That means that when Israel came up out of Egypt, among that mixed multitude of people who followed them in faith, was this dog and his family. This Caleb joined to Israel and became one of them. 
बर्तन एक कुकुर एक आलेब से सहित सामिल So from the beginning God's kingdom has always been open to the dogs. And we see this even in the ministry of Jesus when he's speaking to a woman and she asked him to heal her daughter. The text tells us that the woman was from the land of Phoenicia, which was part of the ancient land of Canaan. And do you remember when she asked Jesus to heal her daughter what he said? He said, why should I take what's for the children and throw it to the dogs? Now this sounds like a very mean thing to say. And we don't know exactly what Jesus' tone of voice or his attitude was as he said it. But I like to think that he said it with a twinkle in his eye or a smile on his lips. Because this Canaanite woman was recognizing him as the Messiah of Israel. But she was not part of the people of Israel. And so it's almost as if Jesus was testing to see how much she realized about her situation. That the Son of God was Israel. Not the dogs of the nations. And so she answers Jesus and says, Yes, but even the dogs get the scraps that fall from the table. And I picture her also saying this with something of a wink or a smile on her mouth. As a way of saying, I know who you are. And I know that I want to be on your side. Because you you are the source of blessing from God. And Jesus heals her daughter. And he holds her up as an example of faith. 
ଆଉ ତାଙ୍କୁ ସେ ଗୋଟିଏ ଆଉ ଗୋଟେ ବିଶ୍ୱାସର ଉଦାହରଣ ବା ଆଦର୍ଶ ସ୍ୱରୂପ ସେ ପ୍ରକାଶ କରୁଛନ୍ତି ସମସ୍ତଙ୍କୁ So that brings us at last to the book of Deuteronomy. Before Israel, this new generation of Israelites can enter the land. They have to enter into the covenant. They have to affirm and agree to the suzerain treaty. And so the entire book of Deuteronomy is structured as one long suzerainty treaty. ବର୍ତ୍ତମାନ ଏଇ ଦ୍ୱିତୀୟ ବିବରଣୀ ଏଇ ଯୋ ସୁଜରେଣ୍ଡର ଯୋ ଚୁକ୍ତି ଗୁଡିକ ଥିଲା ସନ୍ଧି ଗୁଡିକ ଥିଲା ତାହାର ବିଶେଷ ବିବରଣ ଏ ସ୍ଥାନରେ ଉଲ୍ଲେଖ କରାଯାଇଛି This is Moses final address to his people to the children of the people that he brought out of Israel of Egypt. ବର୍ତ୍ତମାନ ମୋସାଙ୍କର ସେ ଅନ୍ତିମ ସମ୍ବାଦ ତାଙ୍କର ଈଶ୍ୱରଙ୍କର ମନନିତ ଲୋକମାନଙ୍କ ପ୍ରତି ଥିଲା It's his last sermon that he will ever give. Aur tanko jibon ro sheso samare aur sheso khara pai boli se lokoman ko ei barta deithile. And so he gives it in the form of a covenant treaty. Aur se saman ko ei barta gore chukti madhyamare sandhi madhyamare saman ko nikotre se prakash karithile. In chapters 1 through 4 he gives the historical overview of what God the good suzerain had done for his people. ଆବୃତ୍ତି କରୁଛନ୍ତି telling God's people how they are to live once they cross that river and enter into the land. And then in chapters 27 through 30 come the promised blessings for obedience. କିନ୍ତୁ ଯଦି ସେମାନେ ଆଜ୍ଞା ଲଙ୍ଘନ କରନ୍ତି ଯଦି ସେ ଚୁକ୍ତିର ବାଧ୍ୟ ହୁଅନ୍ତି ତାହେଲେ କି ପ୍ରକାର ଭୟାନକ ଆଉ ଅତି କ୍ଲେଶଜନକ ଅଭିଶାପ ସେମାନଙ୍କ ଉପରେ ବର୍ତ୍ତିବ ତାହାର ମଧ୍ୟ ଗୋଟେ ଲମ୍ବା ତାଲିକା ଦେଉଛନ୍ତି and their uh, witnesses are called to witness the covenant being made in chapter 30 verses 19 through 31 ଆଉ ତିରିଶ ପର୍ବ ଉଣେଇଶି 
And in this section, and as Moses gives his farewell song and speaks his final prophecies over the tribes, he tells them that God knows that they will disobey and break the covenant. And they will be ejected, be spat out of the land That just as God driving out the Canaanites because of their wickedness, by sending Israel in as an army to drive them out, so too, one day in the future, God will drive Israel out of the land. By sending the armies of Babylon to take them captive. And this is what, as Pastor Ron has been teaching you about the book of Habakkuk. These are the events that Habakkuk is standing right on the very edge of that is about to happen in his lifetime. All of this God has given in advance. Israel will go into exile. Israel will break the covenant. But God promises in this section of Deuteronomy that after the covenant is broken, when the people are living in exile, that something will happen that there will be a spirit of repentance and that they will once again turn back to the Lord. And this time, it won't be to come back and obey Him of the external laws and commandments. Rather, God says there will be a circumcision of the heart. Circumcision was the symbol of the covenant with Abraham, remember? And so the people would return to God in this time, not their outward body that's circumcised, but their heart. And 
And at that time, God would then restore the covenant blessings to an even greater degree than He had ever promised before. Now, Deuteronomy doesn't spell out in detail how this circumcision of the heart will happen. But it tells us that it will involve God's people being made jealous by another people coming and experiencing blessing. And again here is that theme that comes and repeats that Gentiles who don't know God will come to know God. You can read this in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 21. The prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel speak of this event as well. That in the future there will be a new covenant that does for the people what this covenant cannot do because they broke it. You can read about this in Jeremiah chapter 31. And you can read about this as well in Ezekiel chapter 36. This new covenant would be made with Israel and would involve changing their heart. Just as Deuteronomy also promised. And it would involve the nations coming and turning to the Lord. Even the evil nations that oppress God's people like Egypt and Assyria. You can read this in Isaiah chapter 19. And there are many, many other places. So Deuteronomy ends then in chapter 34 with Moses' death. The people of Israel have been redeemed. They've been saved. And they've been brought 
to the very edge of the promised land. And then we end the Torah. Again, leaving the reader with the question. How will we respond? Will we go into the land following Joshua and faithfulness claim the covenant blessings that God has promised? Or will we turn back in fear, thus separating ourselves from the covenant of God's people? The historical books go on and they give what happens when all Israel enters the land and the history of the kings and everything like that. But this is how the Torah itself comes to an end. Now the Torah I said in the first session is the foundation of everything else in the Bible. And I hope you've been able to see how the Torah retells, or not retells, how the Torah tells the story of God's people in a way that points forward to the day we live in the new covenant. And so by reading and studying the books of Torah, even though that's not the covenant that we live under any longer, we learn valuable lessons about God's plan for all the world. About the very nature of God Himself. And about who we are. And how we can walk with him. Now tonight in our final session, I'm going to give you some practical guidance on how you can preach and teach from Torah law passages. Because many Christian preachers don't understand what to do with the law passages in Scripture. Because 
What can the laws that God had Israel live under during that covenant? Possibly have to say to us who do not live under those laws any longer in the new covenant. I'll leave you with one final example that will help you uh, understand the approach we'll take. When I landed in in India last week, at the airport, Shannon and Ron and I picked up our luggage and then we went over to a little counter and we gave a man our money our American dollars and he gave us back a stack of rupees and that always happens every time I come to India and it's fine that's, that's, that's normal so then we leave the airport and we get to PR Misra's house and we have a wonderful dinner that Anju has cooked for us and as we're sitting around we see on the television an announcement that the money that they gave us at the airport is now completely useless. It has no value. Now this was not good news. Because all of the money that they had given me were 500 no rupees. I don't have a bank account in India. So I can't exchange this money myself. So it was a it was a it was an it was annoying. It was an annoyance, an obstacle. Now, if I did not know anything about India, I could just assume that Prime Minister Modi doesn't like 500 or 1,000 no rupees. And I might say, what kind of country gives someone money and says, oh, you can't use it, it's worthless tomorrow? And I might conclude that the Prime Minister desires for his people to experience hardship. But, kintu, 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 if I know about what's happening in India, if I know the context and the troubles that your country is facing, then I can understand about things like black money. And I'll realize that the Prime Minister 
made this surprise announcement in hopes of catching the people who were using this money illegally. Now I don't know whether that's a good idea or whether it will work or not. It may be a bad idea and it may fail. But that's what happens with all human leader decisions. And I'll let you Indians debate that amongst yourselves. But what I can see in this law that was passed is that there's a reason, there's something that was trying to be fixed or corrected. There's a principle contained within this law. The principle is that corruption and using this black money is, is an evil in society. And so I can at least appreciate the purpose, the intended purpose of the law, whether it turns out to work or not. And I did manage to get some of the new money that's... <laughs> It's very pretty. Both are nice. And it's actually legal now, so that's good. But the point is that I can now understand the reason for what would have otherwise seemed like a very strange and purposeless law. Because I learned the context and the, the, the principle contained within that law. We'll see this tonight in our final session, how they do this. The New Testament does this very same thing with God's law. And by doing this, by asking these certain questions, it opens up the entire Bible, including the laws of the Old Testament. For us today, for you today, to be able to teach and preach to your people in your churches. Just like I can go back to America and tell my friends, hey, this is how India decided to fight corruption. 
And we in America have corruption as well. So maybe that will help us think of new ways to fight corruption in our setting. But without having to do the same thing that India did with the money. So it works like that with God's law as well, except there's one difference. Unlike human leaders and human political parties, the law that God gave his people was always correct and accomplished the purpose that God had for it. So that's what we'll look at tonight when I return. Amen. Amen.